Hey everyone, and welcome to the Flatlining Podcast from Fulcrum Strategies. I'm Matthew Hanley, and with me is the president and CEO of our organization, Ron Horgan. Ron, thanks for sitting down with us again today. Thank you, Matthew. Now, uh, we're doing a little bit of a special edition today because, as I mentioned in the podcast last week at the beginning, we did hear the news of uh, Dr. Hurley's death, who we interviewed earlier this year. And, Ron, you wanted to do kind of a special thing today, and so I'll throw it over to you with what you want to talk about uh, in regards to Dr. Hurley. Great. Thank you, and thank you for the time. Um, Yeah, as Matthew said, I want to do something a little bit different today. I want to tell everybody a story, and unfortunately, it's a true story but I think it's a story that needs to be heard and needs to be heard often. So um, I've had the great fortune of working in healthcare for over 36 years. And over those years, I've been very lucky to meet some really incredible doctors. These are people who went into medicine to help others and to help them when they need it most. The vast majority of physicians that I interact with devote their lives to alleviating suffering and fighting disease and illness. Some of these doctors have made an incredible lasting impression on me. Dr. Dan Hurley is one of those physicians and I wanna tell his story. I met Dr. Hurley just a few months ago. He reached out to me after reading a story in ProPublica about insurance company denials. I was quoted in that story, which is why he reached out to me. After reading the story, he sent me an email to ask if we could talk. So we set up a Zoom call a few days later and I have to admit, I didn't know what to expect for this meeting, and I certainly was not prepared for the impact it would have on me. It started with a surprise when Dr. Hurley joined the call and I realized he was calling from a hospital bed. He informed me that he was in the middle of receiving treatment for a very difficult cancer diagnosis, but that this was a good time to talk. Dr. Hurley told me his story, both about his diagnosis, what he was doing with treatment and all of that. The story included difficulties that he was experiencing in getting the care he needed approved and authorized by his insurance company. Dr. Hurley told me how lucky he was that as a physician, he was able to quickly navigate the healthcare system and find a specialist who anyone would consider to be one of the preeminent experts in this very rare cancer that he was dealing with. The oncologist treating Dr. Hurley started him on a treatment path to try to deal with his disease and tumor right away. Along that journey, Dr. Hurley and his physician ran into a roadblock that is unfortunately all too frequent in our system today. Dr. Hurley's insurance company denied a PET scan that was ordered by his oncologist. The requested PET scan was denied by a medical director because that physician deemed it to be not medically necessary. Now I wanna stop there for a minute and I wanna have everybody understand what that really means. A physician, who with no transparency or consequences for his or her actions, decided, probably with very little, if any, review of Dr. Hurley's medical medical records, and likely no formal training in oncology. But that physician decided that the test ordered by a national expert from the Mayo Clinic, after treating Dr. Hurley and careful review of his situation and condition, that physician decided that the PET scan was not necessary. That's right, an uninformed physician likely practicing outside of his or her specialty decided that they knew better than a well-informed expert in the field. Now, the reason why I say probably practicing outside of his or her specialty, probably not, 
is that we don't know who that physician was. Dr. Hurley requested to be able to speak to that physician directly, doctor to doctor. And not only was he denied that, he wasn't even told the name of the physician who decided his treatment wasn't necessary or whether they had any experience even in the field of oncology. That's what I mean by no transparency and no consequences. All right, back to our story. After hearing all of this, I quickly asked Dr. Hurley what I could do to help. That was when he really made an impression on me. He informed me that he wanted to tell his story so that others wouldn't have the same experience. He told me he wanted to dedicate his life to exposing this problem in hopes of changing the insane system of insurance company denials. I remember thinking how just incredible this was. Here I was talking to a doctor while he was getting chemotherapy for his cancer. And instead of being angry or wanting vengeance for what was happening to him, his only concern was about future patients. Patients that he would never know or treat. Patients who wouldn't even know of his efforts to help them. And patients that he would never receive any payment or compensation for for his activities. This is the kind of selfless behavior that I see in a lot of physicians and the kind of selfless behavior that is so common for Dr. Hurley. Now, I was immediately all in. I was quickly drafted and ready to join Team Hurley. I started sharing his name and information with as many people as I could, hopefully to help him tell his story. As part of that effort, Matthew and I interviewed Dr. Hurley on our very own podcast. Over the next few weeks, I spoke to Dr. Hurley a few times. Each time I was impressed with his approach to his situation and his continued desire to help future patients that, would never, that he would never meet. At one point, he shared with me a very honest conversation about his disease. He told me that while he was an optimist, he was also a doctor, and he knew that it was unlikely that he and I would be having this conversation again in a year. He told me his goal was to live long enough to see his child graduate and hopefully be able to take his wife on another trip to France one more time. This was so typical of Dr. Hurley and the man that I was fortunate enough to get to know. His goals weren't about him, but rather about his loved ones. That was May of this year. Now fast forward to today. Last week I was approached by a reporter from the Washington Post. She was developing information about the practice of payer denials and wanted to talk to me to get some background information. During this conversation, I told her about Dr. Hurley and his story and suggested she interview him. I immediately sent an email to both of them, introducing Dr. Hurley to the reporter and she to him. That was last Friday. That evening, we received a call from one of Dr. Hurley's partners informing us that he had passed away the night before. Now, I've never met Dr. Hurley face-to-face. -face. I've only talked to him via Zoom or over the phone. I can't say we were good friends or that I had known him for years. But despite of that, the news of Dr. Hurley's passing hit me pretty hard. I think it was because of what an amazing person he was and because it made things very real for me. You see, on podcasts like this or in speeches I give, I talk about the healthcare problems we face in this country on macro terms. I talk about things around public policy. Upon hearing the news of Dr. Hurley's passing, the problems in our system today suddenly had a face and a name. 
it was in that moment that I decided that Dr. Hurley's story and his desire to solve this problem for future patients wouldn't end with his passing. I vowed to tell his story every chance I get and to do whatever I can to try to carry the flag that he had picked up. With that in mind, I'm about to step up onto a soapbox that was built by Dr. Hurley. I'm going to warn you right now, I am, I'm not capable of doing this with the grace and sensitivity that Dr. Hurley would have. I'm quite frankly, not as good a person as he is or was. I'm not going to do that or be able to do that because in the words of Peter Finch from the movie Network, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. As I say this, I, I, I struggle to control the anger I'm feeling right now. I think about the medical director that denied Dr. Hurley's PET scan and all the other medical directors at insurance companies that spend their days signing off on medical necessity denials for hundreds of thousands of patients, all dealing with their own medical issues. I think about those physicians and I wonder how they reconcile what they're doing with the Hippocratic Oath they took when they became doctors. I guess I would ask them to remember their oath and the statement, first do no harm. Now, I can hear the response from insurance executives ringing in my ears, a response that quite honestly, I spoke myself several times when I used to work for the insurance companies. Well, we're not denying care. We're only making coverage decisions. I can't tell you how many times I said that very sentence. Now, put bluntly, this is BS. It was BS when I said it all those years ago, and it's still BS today. They know it, and I know it. People have insurance because they can't afford to pay for the care they need without it. Withholding payment for that care is the same thing as withholding the very care they need. Trying to explain it away any other way is simply wrong. I can also hear the insurance company spin doctors explaining this behavior by trying to paint it as something good for society. Our mission is to make healthcare more affordable in this country. If that were the case, then answer me this. Why did the major insurance companies reap record profits during the COVID crisis? Why did these insurance companies see dramatic increases in their stock prices during the worst healthcare crisis in this country this century? So if you're going to try to say that, please spare me the hypocrisy. Don't insult my intelligence with this kind of drivel. The process insurance companies use to deny care is not focused on the patient, but rather their own profits. That's the reality of the situation. It's about companies putting profits before people. It's that simple and it must change. And that's what Dr. Hurley wanted to focus on and what he wanted changed. So the next obvious question is how do we fix this? How do we protect patients from corporate greed? Well, it's really not complicated. It just takes a change in the way we think about patients' rights and the practice of medicine by insurance company medical directors. Let me explain. First of all, we need to give patients the same kind of protections that we give people in our justice system. Our justice system is built on the idea of presumed innocence. It doesn't matter if you are caught on video doing the crime, you are presumed innocent. And the prosecution has the burden of proof to prove that you are guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Further, 
you're allowed to be judged by an impartial jury of your peers. Now, we do this in this country because we've decided, and I agree, that it's far worse to jail an innocent person than to possibly let somebody who is guilty go free. Shouldn't that same thing apply to health care? Isn't it worse to deny care to somebody who needs it than to approve care that may not be totally necessary? Imagine for a minute, if your physician was presumed to be correct in what he or she wants to prescribe for you, and that the insurance company couldn't deny that order unless they proved beyond a reasonable doubt that your physician was wrong. Imagine if rather than a single medical director, who is nameless and faceless, by the way, compensated by the insurance company they're ruling for, practicing outside his or her specialty with no transparency, imagine if rather than that determining what is medically necessary, the situation was reserved or reviewed by an independent group of peers and that it started with giving the treating physician the assumption of being right. That's right. An independent physician, not on the insurance company payroll, who are peers, you know, practicing physicians in the same specialty. Imagine what that would look like. I'm guessing it would cut down on these kind of automated or inappropriate denials. Another simple solution would be to pass a law expanding the definition of practicing medicine to include the, the denying of services as not medically necessary. This would mean that the doctors signing off on those denials would need to have a license in good standing in the state that they're operating in. They would have to be practicing in their field or specialty and that they could be held responsible for malpractice if the denial was not clinically reasonable and resulted in a bad outcome. Imagine what that would look like. It would end the scenario where a single doctor could sign off on 60,000 denials in one month, as has been documented, where medical directors could sign off on denials after spending less than two seconds reviewing the case, which has also been documented. Imagine the field day that a plaintiff's attorney would have in a malpractice case involving the denial of the PET scan for Dr. Hurley. Again, I'm guessing that this simple change would fix this problem. Okay, the problem here isn't what happened to Dr. Hurley. The problem is the thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people out there who have had care denied by an insurance company. The problem is that Dr. Hurley's story isn't an anomaly, but rather an example of something that happens every day in this country. That's the problem. And that's the problem that Dr. Hurley wanted to solve, not for him, but for everybody else. I can't say that approving the PET scan for Dr. Hurley would have saved his life. No one can say that. I can't say that approving that PET scan would have helped him live one day longer. What I can say is that that denial was wrong. I can also say that when a person is going through cancer or any other difficult disease or illness, the last thing they should have to spend any energy on is fighting with an insurance company. They shouldn't have to worry about paying for things like a PET scan. They should be able to spend 100% of their time and focus on fighting the disease they have or enjoying the remaining time they have with their family. That's the way things should be. And I'm going to continue to tell Dr. Hurley's Dr. Hurley story until things change and until that's the way things are.
everybody listening to this podcast, I appreciate your time and attention. I'm sorry that we drop down into a story like this, but I think you'll agree. It's a story that needs to be told and needs to be told quite frequently. Thank you very much for your time and for your attention. And God bless Dr. Hurley and his family. And hopefully his life won't be in vain and it'll help change this. Thanks for sharing that, Ron. That's, that is very powerful and we're glad that you were able to do it. And we, we do have the written version available online as well. And we'll have it in the show notes. As we conclude, I want to share um, Dr. Hurley in his own words. Uh, I asked him when we interviewed him back in May why he was doing this, why he decided to step up and to fight this fight. And I want you to take a listen to what he said. What mm-hmm. really uh, uh, motivated me to kind of say, I need to do something, this problem was a completely different insurer, uh, which was Aetna with my son, and the experience of having to talk to a GI guy about why some patient who I have has, who has a sinus problem needs a CT, which is just wrong on its face for almost every major insurer Cigna United over the years. Mm-hmm. So uh, um, now I'm, I'm probably getting off track there. So, but the things that I think are take home are the insurers are going to have to be part of the solution. There are some great people that work there that will get there. But initially, it is a wall as a patient. You can't talk to them. You get denials. You talk to people who don't even know why you got denied. If someone says this isn't medical care, I'd say, but it is. Mm -hmm. Because if you're delaying care by days to weeks before I even get the right to say, well, then I'll just pay cash, assuming I'm lucky enough to be able to afford that, that is medical care. So when we need, first we need transparency. And then we need accountability that says, uh, yes, indeed, uh, Dr. So-and-so, I see that you reviewed this chart and you delayed it by three weeks. And over the course of my, you know, let's say I get a three-year cancer journey, that'd be a pretty good one for me. Uh, that amounts to a month of delays. We don't know how much it impacted his, 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 his problem. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you, there's ethics in two parts of this, there's, one, the ethics of the physicians. And this should be pretty easy to, uh, or if we get a little light in the system, it should be easy because people will probably be ashamed, hopefully, and stop doing it. Um, even since I've been a physician, you started to see, oh, now they're having people with a medical license sign it because mm-hmm. they're trying to cover that. But it's, it's a medical director that really works in Washington who's got multiple licenses so they can sign off on the reviewer in the expert in New Jersey who isn't right. Thinking that somehow that makes it better. So the physicians themselves have to have the ethics to say, would I want myself or my family member treated by me for this problem, which you really should be asking both if you're a clinical physician in practice or if you're reviewing cases. And if the answer is no, well, wouldn't, shouldn't you get them to somebody who's really reviewing that? Mm-hmm. And then the other part of the ethics is on the business side, where, you know, in an era where we see pretty strong balance sheets and on the public traded companies, pretty good returns, and we, of course, of course, can look at executive compensation, it seems to be going up. Can we re- is it really ethical to be saying we are not spending on those people who've been paying for their whole life this is what insurance is. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and we're going to limit that. And we're actually going to set up a system that doesn't have an escape valve to hurt them. 
or make them feel, even if it's not true, that their insurance company is trying to harm them. I mean, how many people, if you ask them, said, do you think your insurance company is looking out for your best interest? Even people with regular medical problems would be uh, answer that no, I think a pretty high percentage of the time. Mm-hmm, sure. And then the, the, one of the saddest things about that is that there are some great people in the insurance industry who are really trying to work for people as patients, but they get lost behind this this system. The Flatlining Podcast is a production of Flatlining.net and Fulcrum Strategies, copyright 2023, all rights reserved. Be sure to subscribe to the Flatlining Podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For Ron Howergan, I'm Matthew Handley. Have a good week.